0: The episode you're about to experience is pre-recorded, And so I wanted to take a moment off the top and acknowledge that we're in a very complicated season. We have the ongoing COVID-19 crisis that impacts all of us. And we have the ever-growing awareness of the ongoing racial injustices in the world. So we know that leadership is always important, but it's even more important now than ever before. Let's go to this month's episode of the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. If you're new with us, I wanna welcome you and kind of tell you what we do. We drop a new teaching on the first Thursday of each month. What We're gonna do in this episode is a little bit different and I wanna tell you about it. I also wanna encourage you to hit subscribe wherever you consume this content. That way we can send it to you each time we release new content. We also have a leader guide that I promise you is really helpful and can be a value add for your team. If you want to go over this content with team members, we give you a full summary of the notes along with discussion questions and application assignments, and we'll often send bonus content as well. You can sign up for the leader guide at life.church slash Also, for those of you that share and invite others to be a part of our community on social media, a massive thank you. If you tag me, I might see it and uh, we'll often repost what you're posting. So thank you for inviting others to be a part of our community. Now, we're gonna do something different today. Uh, What I wanna do is share with you a talk that I did at the Global Leadership Summit. Now, if you have never heard of the Global Leadership Summit, you should hear the Global Leadership Summit. It may be the biggest leadership event on the planet. Uh, It's broadcast to hundreds and hundreds of sites in countries around the world, translated into 61 different languages. This year, it will be broadcast on August the 6th and the 7th. You can attend digitally or in physical sites where they're able to meet in cities around the US and then later around the world. At the end of the podcast, I'll give you information if you'd like to be a part. I'm honored to serve as what's known as the global leadership champion. That means I will do the opening talk, I often do the closing talk, and I'm kind of like a voice for this conference, and I'm honored to serve in that capacity. What I'm gonna share with you is a teaching that we did earlier on the podcast on anticipatory leadership, but I added to the content and I did it in a really different format. This was broadcast two years ago from the Global Leadership Summit. It is on anticipatory leadership. It was done, obviously, pre-COVID-19, but in the middle of all that we're enduring, now is a good time to ask, what do you think's coming? How do we anticipate? How do we lead toward the future? I'll take you now to anticipatory leadership. This is the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. What I want to do is I want to talk to you about anticipatory leadership. Anticipatory leadership. Taking everything that we've learned that we're trying to absorb, how do we look forward and anticipate what could be coming in the future so that we can make the appropriate decisions today to lead toward the desired outcome in the future? Anticipatory leadership. Uh, I wanna start off this message by telling you a little story that really helped change the trajectory of our organization. Um, I lead a church, and one of the things that we're really passionate about, we call it this. We want to eradicate Bible poverty. In other words, there are people around the world that don't have access to the Bible in their language. We want to try to take care of that. There are people that have access to the Bible, but they don't know it, don't understand it, don't know how to read it. We wanna help them do so. So about maybe 12 years ago or so, we had an idea that we thought would help people experience the Bible. We created a website that was known as Uversion.com. The goal back then was to have it sort of like a combination between Facebook, YouTube, and the Bible. In other words, we would upload content to create community and discussion around the Bible. The only idea is that nobody, including us, used it. It failed miserably. We were literally about two weeks away from unplugging that idea and making it go away when Pastor Bobby Grunewald, who's on my staff, came into the office and he said, hey, uh, you know, Apple is coming out with something called an app. And I remember him saying, "He saying, I think it may be something significant. I'm not sure, but I think. Everybody say, I think. I think think it could be significant. He said, what if we took the content we created on Uversion.com that didn't work and tried to transfer it and built an app and then released an app with the Bible on it whenever Apple comes out with apps? And I'm like, well, we're a church and I'm a pastor. Do we even know how to make an app? And he said, I don't know. Let's go ask around. So we walked around on our team and asked people, we came across a 19 year old who was part-time on the staff and he was very smart, smarter than us. And we said, do you think you can build an app? And he said, well, how hard could it be? (laughs) So this part-time 19 year old kid built something called the Uversion Bible app. 10 years ago last week, It launched on the first day that apps came out. Friday, it came out. Saturday, we forgot about it. Sunday, someone said, maybe we should look and see if anybody downloaded the app. We looked and 81,000 people had downloaded the free YouVersion Bible app. On Monday, the part-time 19-year-old kid had a full-time job. And 10 years later, over one-third of a billion people have downloaded the free YouVersion Bible app. Everybody say, what if? What if this works? What if this works? What if this is coming? What if? Anticipatory leadership. How do we anticipate where things are going so we can make decisions today that lead toward what is happening in the future. Let's talk about it in the framework of leadership. I like to say it this way, the difference between a good leader and a great leader is one who learns to anticipate rather than react. The difference between someone who is good and someone is great is learning to anticipate rather than simply asking. To our Canadian friends to the north, in order to honor you, the great theologian and hockey player Wayne Gretzky was once asked, how come you're so great? And he responded, most players skate to where the puck is, I skate to where it's going to be. Anticipatory leadership. Let me tell you the brutal news before we get to the good news. The bad news is this to all of you as leaders. The lifespan of your current systems, structure, and strategy is diminishing as we speak. In other words, the way you're doing what you're doing right now will not last forever, right? If you don't believe me, just ask Kodak, right Simon? Just ask Blockbuster, just ask Border Books, and just ask taxi cab companies. (laughs) In other words, if we are not changing, we are falling further behind. What do we need to do as leaders? As we are anticipating the future, we have to remember that what you know may be wrong. Where you're absolutely completely convinced that could be the biggest point of your vulnerability. Let me explain and unpack it. Uh, the church that I lead is called Life Church, and we were honored to be on the front end of creating a massive game-changing, innovative breakthrough about what is possible through a church. We weren't the only one, but we were one of a few that kind of led through. For centuries around the world, pastors essentially could do ministry through one local church in one local community. But because of technology now, uh, we're able to do ministry at multiple sites. And so if you imagine the landscape of what is possible has completely changed. Now, since we were on kind of the front end of doing this, we formed very strong opinions about this works, this doesn't work, this is right, this is wrong. And some people even even called us experts. You're really good at doing this. You guys are some of the experts. This is a dangerous place to be if we start to wrongly own the title of experts because if we think we're experts, then we are very vulnerable to what some have called the curse of confidence. What you know may be wrong. For example, when uh, social media started to become popular, Twitter came out. I was absolutely and completely convinced 100% that nobody in the world would care what I was thinking in 140 characters or less. To be real honest, I didn't care what you were thinking in 140 characters or less. Instagram, even more so. Who gives a fly and flip and rip what you're eating for lunch (laughs) that you're sitting by the pool reading a fake book showing a picture of your ugly feet overlooking the water? (laughs) It's a fad. It'll be gone by Tuesday. Nobody is going to care about that stuff. I was sure of it completely sure. And therefore, I am significantly behind in social media influence. At Craig Rochelle, is where you can find me if you'd like to help me catch up, because I was incredibly sure that no one would really care. The curse of confidence. Uh, When we're completely sure we're vulnerable. Let me give you three ways that we're vulnerable when we're overly confident. Those who are overly confident about the future, they find it difficult to receive feedback. I mean, we already know it all anyway. So why am I gonna listen to your idea? I'm so sure I'm right. The second thing is, those who are overly confident, we find ourselves answering more questions than we're asking. If I become the expert, I'm always answering your questions, I stop asking any questions. And when I stop asking questions, I stop growing in my abilities and in my knowledge. And number three, when we're overly confident, we assume too much and we stop innovating. That's why we need to remember that what we know, where we're convinced we might actually be wrong, we don't wanna suffer from the curse of confidence. Let's talk about how we learn very practically as leaders to anticipate the future. I'm gonna give you what I call the three D's of anticipatory leadership. The first one is develop. Everybody say develop. Develop. The second one is discern. Everybody say discern. Discern. The third one is disrupt. I need you at all of our sites, it's no fun without you. Can you say disrupt? disrupt? Let's say it again, develop, discern, disrupt. Say it, develop discern and disrupt. Let's break them down. The first thing we need to do, number one is this, is we need to learn to develop situational awareness. We need to develop situational awareness. What does that mean? That, that means that we can very honestly and accurately assess and understand the true current state of our organization. This is very, very difficult to do, and it needs to start even before we accurately understand our organization. We also have to accurately understand our own leadership. The problem is, so many of us, we just don't know what we don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you work for somebody, and you say, for sure, he does not know what he does not know. For example, for years I am a a verbal communicator and for years I did not know that I carried a box whenever I was communicating. My wife told me, she said, please, for the sake of all of us, and maybe even for the sake of God, put down your box. I said, what do you mean? She said, whenever you talk, you're always going around like this. She said, please, save us all, put down the box. I didn't know, I have other hand signals in case you haven't noticed. These I am unwilling to give up. I have prayer hands, I have chopping the wood, and watch for it, there's the flying sea. Don't miss it, the sea could be coming. I will be doing (laughs) the rest of my talk like this. No, I won't. (laughs) Self-awareness is incredibly difficult. Organizational awareness is tough to come by. I love if you haven't studied something known as the Dunning-Kruger effect, I would highly recommend that you Google and read about uh, what Dunning-Kruger writes about. Essentially, this study shows that people have difficulty recognizing their own incompetence. For example, you work with this person. He's the guy who says, I just tell it like it is. And everybody else says, no, you're the guy that's rude and abrasive, right? It's the lady who says, I'm just laid back. I'm easy going. Everybody else, like, no, you're a lazy bum. (laughs) I'm a good leader. I'm a strong leader. I'm a hands on leader. No, you are a control freak and you drive us crazy. (laughs) Who knows somebody I'm talking about like that? Raise your hand. Raise raise them up. Do not point. Do not point. Do not point. Dunning-Kruger teaches us essentially that those who rank themselves as the most skilled are generally the least skilled. You know people like this? Those who are lowest in competence are highest in confidence. How good are you? Oh, I'm good. How good? I'm so good. How, how good are you? I'm a 9.9 on a scale out of 1 out of 10. And you look on and you say, you are a 9.9 on a scale of 1 out of 100 <laughs> because you don't know what you don't know. Your perspective is incredibly limited. The inverse is true as well. The study shows that those that are the most capable of all often don't know it because they just assume that what comes easy to them and is natural to them that everybody else should know as well. That's why I always teach when you're looking for people with high potential, the best indicator of high potential is genuine humility, not misplaced confidence. We have to work very, very hard to be humble, a state of humility so that we can accurately assess our leadership and our organization. Leaders, fight for humility. Remember, most leaders could learn more from their mistakes if they weren't so busy denying them. That's like a nervous clap. Like I think we should clap, but I don't know. That might be me. It might be me. I don't know if I should clap. <laughs> Organizationally, look honestly, and have the integrity to tell the truth, because there ain't nobody that lies better than leaders. How are things going? Great. How are things amazing? How things never been better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Look at everything. Business leaders, look at your product lines, look at individual stores and, and tell the truth as why one might be going down and not making excuses. Look at the culture and look at the health of your teams. Work hard to get true information based on your team with real truthful feedback, look at the state of minds of your leaders, look at the health of your leaders, look at the leadership pipeline, and the list could go on and on. Those of you in my world, in the church world or ministry, look at the small groups, are they functioning? Do you have enough? Look at the front door, are we reaching new people? Look at the back door, are they leaving as soon as they come in? How are we assimilating people? What is the culture of generosity look like? Do we have a true diversity of impact, or are we only reaching one? one group of people, look at the quality of the leaders, look at the spiritual climate. Is there true, genuine spiritual passion or have we slipped into tolerating complacency and spiritual apathy? Look at it and have the courage to tell the truth. Then start to dive in and and be honest and ask yourself, if something is not working, why? Tell the truth, have the courage To be honest, it may be the wrong leader, the wrong systems, the wrong time, the product actually died two years ago and you just haven't noticed yet. Have the courage and the guts to honestly assess why something is not working. And when it is working, you also wanna know why it is working. I love what my friend Andy Stanley says. He says, if you don't know why something is working when it is, You won't know how to fix it when it's not. The why really matters. What do you do? Let me me tell you what to do. When you're diagnosing something, you wanna ask 21 questions. Where did I come up with this number? I came up with this number from a friend of mine that's a doctor when I had an injury on my shoulder. I called him, he's a friend. I said, I have got an injury on my shoulder. He said, tell me about it. I told him about it for a few seconds, and he said, "Let me see you in person." We got together in person, and he moved it this way, and this way, and this way. And he asked me a question, another 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 question. Another question, and he kept going on and on and on and on and on and on and on. I'm like, "Look, I'm not a competitive athlete. I'm just a preacher. All I need to be able to do is a flying C." You know, can you fix it to that <laughs> point? And, and like you're, you're obsessing with this thing. And, and and he and he finally, after asking what seemed like a million questions, said, "Here's what the problem is." I said, let me ask you a question. When did you think that you had an accurate diagnosis? And he said, well, last week when you called me on the phone within about the first 20 seconds, I thought I did, but I have trained myself to never go with my assumptions. I always force myself to ask 21 questions. I said, why 21? And he looked at me dead serious and said, because 21 is one more than 20. (laughs) So there it is. If you add a chop the wood and you say it with passion, people will write it down. Ask 21 questions. What are you trying to do? You are not asking questions to confirm your biases. You're asking questions to get deep into the bottom layers of the root reason of why something is working or not. Ask questions, become an expert at honestly, truthfully diagnosing the current situation of your organization and your own leadership. I like that Simon talked about Kodak. Think about Kodak, it's fascinating to me. Kodak did not fail, to compliment what he said, because they missed the digital age. They created the first digital camera. Why did Kodak fail? They failed because they they didn't understand why they had been successful. They mistakenly thought that they were in the film business they were really in the memory business. We have to understand why. I like what Emerson said. Emerson said, the, they said, the person who understands how will always have a job. The person who understands why will always be his or her boss. Develop situational awareness. Everybody say Develop. develop. Everybody say discern. discern. Number two, discern future threats and opportunities. How do we anticipate what is coming? We're going to discern future threats or opportunities. Uh, What's interesting to me is that what is a threat to one type of organization is actually simultaneously an opportunity to another, correct? Big box retail might be struggling. That is a threat if you're a big box retailer. That is an opportunity if you're a multi-site church looking for places to have worship. threats and opportunities. This is what I want to encourage you all to do, every single one of you. Uh, Start to learn to anticipate in areas outside of your field of expertise. Start to, what you want to do is you want to develop the muscle in your brain of projecting forward. You may be dead wrong. You, you, you may get it, you, you may not even be close, but you wanna practice by thinking in areas outside your field. And the reason why outside your field is important because it develops muscles. But secondly, then sometimes the things outside your field help connect the dots to things that will actually in, influence you inside your field. And you wanna start creating theories. Let me give you some of mine. These are just theories. You probably, 90% of you will disagree. Probably 80% of you are right, but I'm training myself to think forward. I have a theory that the younger generation might start to reject social media or at least change how they interact with it. Because I know so many who have what they would call not a love-hate, but more of a hate-love relationship with it. They hate comparing, they hate feeling left out, they hate posing, they hate filtering, they hate working at captions. They've already rejected Facebook, honestly, because most of you are on it. (laughs) And if you're on it, it ain't cool. And one superstar can say, I no longer use Snapchat and Snapchat can go way down. And I just happen to think there may be, I could be wrong, maybe a younger generation said, you know what, I'm tired of living through a screen. I mean, that's so so old people thing. I just may wanna connect more face to face, just a theory. Um, I have a theory about higher education. I have a daughter in private school and we kind of have a choice. Like honestly, buy a nice two bedroom, one bath starter home or go to college, (laughs) take out loans and owe tens of thousands of dollars and perhaps work for minimum wage when you get out or do something different. And as a person who grew up highly valuing education with a master's as well as undergraduate degree, absolutely insisting that anyone who can go to college should go to college. The cost benefit may be starting to tilt. I think it's time for reform in higher education. And let's talk about cars. I, ha- I believe that within five years, if you can afford it, your car will drive itself. I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. For the sake of God, I hope it's true because some of you need some help <laughs> in your driving. And, and if that's true, what does that mean? That means in big cities, car ownership likely will decline because why would I try to own a car for 24 hours a day when I can get a driverless Uber or whatever to drive and pick me up? Therefore, in my field, if I'm building church buildings that needs lots of lands for parking, I might need to rethink strategy of a delivery system for places to drop off hundreds of people and continue moving. I don't know, let's talk groceries. Why don't we? Because it's time to eat very, very soon, and I won't talk too much longer so that you can. My wife has a lifetime goal of never stepping foot in a grocery store again. She will order everything online and deliver it, pick it up. I anticipate that the grocery stores that are really good will start to anticipate what we need because they see exactly what we order. They'll start delivering it to us. We may say a little more Frosted Flakes, a little uh, fewer tomatoes, and they're gonna learn us and they're gonna anticipate and send it to us. I anticipate prophesy that will happen in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> anticipate, 5G is coming. What does that mean? I'm not sure but it means a lot, a lot. Train yourself to anticipate outside of your field of expertise. And then one day you may be in a conversation when someone comes in and has their own version of something like this. I think that something coming out called apps and it might be big. And you might have the wisdom to see what is a threat to some as an opportunity to you and you might seize it and do something very significant in this world. How do we approach it? Let me give you two different things. They appear to be competing, but they're actually complementary. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna discern future threats and opportunities? Let me encourage you to embody what I call healthy skepticism and at the same time, lead with bold optimism. Embody healthy skepticism and lead with bold Optimism—it sounds like competing ideas to me. It's not skepticism. We have to understand that what we are doing now will not work forever. Uh, Legos—take for example, Rasmus mentioned Legos. Did anybody grow up playing Legos as a kid? Anybody grow up playing with, with Legos? I sure did. Harvard Business Review published an article talking about Lego's overconfidence that almost wrecked the company. This is a fascinating case study. In its 66 year history, imagine this, 66 years. Lego never had a down year. 66 years of consecutive growth. Then suddenly, (laughs) don't miss it because it's good. Suddenly, abruptly, everything changed. In the year 1998, profits plummeted from 186 million down to 48 million in one single year. What happened? Lego totally underestimated how much the digital revolution would change the way our kids played. Instead of playing creatively, they started playing digitally and overnight a 66 year run plummeted. What do we need? We need healthy skepticism. What, what could go wrong? All sorts of different things. We could outgrow our systems. Uh, we could outpace our leaders. The competition could come out with something that's better. The price of oil could drop, which impacted uh, our organizations where we live. There could be a natural disaster. The housing market could collapse. You, you, you have to look all the time saying, things are changing fast. What could change? We have healthy skepticism, but at the very same time, we have bold optimism. Whenever we get afraid, whenever things become bad, we remember that fear is a choice and so is faith. <laughs> so is faith. That The truth is you'll always face obstacles and setbacks and challenges, but we try to remember that new challenges always equal new opportunities. Lego proved this in a massive breakthrough. The same time that Lego was struggling George Lucas was preparing for the release of the first of three prequels to the Star Wars franchise. So Lucasfilm, imagine this, Lucasfilm proposed partnering with Lego to release what they wanted to call Star Wars Legos. The Lego senior vice president, according to the article that I read, didn't like movies. And so he said, this will happen over my dead body. Thankfully, the grandson of the founder of Lego saw the massive opportunity and signed the deal. What happened? Not only did Star Wars Legos create a massive opportunity, but once Lego recognized and understood and appreciated the movie industry, what did Lego do? Lego created their own movies, and guess what the execs are doing now? They're walking around the office singing, Everything is awesome. (laughs) If you don't get that joke, you don't have little kids or grandkids. It's okay. It was funny. I promise. What do you do when when you see a problem? You train yourself to think opportunity. Listen to me. This is important. Some of you right now, you see problem. You're panicked. Your greatest ideas are often born in the middle of the biggest problems. Uh, Limitation, what is it? Innovation is born out of limitation. Limitation is the breeding ground for innovation. Why did we start to do churches in multiple sites? Because we couldn't fit them all in one place. We didn't know anybody doing it. And so we thought, is this possible? How can we do it? Well, my son Sam was born one night. Um, Amy was pregnant with our fourth child. We have six. Every time we looked at each other, we got pregnant. We actually thought you got pregnant by looking at each other. It was years later we found out what really caused it. She gave birth to Sam between Saturday night and Sunday morning. And so we showed the video of me teaching on the screen and nobody even noticed I was gone. And so we started doing, at video teaching, and many of you don't like video teaching, but if you came to my church, you'd say what everybody else says. When they walk in, they say, number one, we like you better on video, and then they said number two, is you're much bigger on video than you are in person, both of which are rude to say to this pastor. <laughs> Problem, think, opportunity. I like what the Nobel Prize winning doctor said. He said, innovation is seeing what everybody else sees and thinking what nobody else thought. Everybody say develop. Come on, guys. Everybody say develop. develop. Everybody say discern. discern. Everybody say disrupt. Discern. Number three, we're gonna disrupt what is with what could be. We're gonna disrupt what is with what could be. This is for some of you, this is your commission break some rules. The greatest leaders, the greatest innovators always break the rules. Think about Airbnb, the biggest hotel business that doesn't own real estate, right? Think about Uber, the transportation business that doesn't own cars. Think about the great innovators. What do Elon Musk and Steve Jobs and Sheryl Sandberg and Jeff Bezos have in common? What do they have in common? Besides they made a lot of money, besides that. They see possibilities before others see them. That's what they do. Do you have a hunch? Do you have a theory? Do you have a burden? Is there something that disturbs you? It shouldn't be that way. Perhaps we can connect all of Africa. Perhaps we can democratize the healthcare system. Perhaps there are are moms coming out of prison that don't have the ability to connect with their children and we want to help them to do it. Is there something that you see, an ache, a concern, a dream, a vision, a burden, disrupt what is and create what could be? We have a dream to eradicate Bible poverty. We didn't sit around and say, well, we're just a church, we can't do anything about it. We created the YouVersion Bible app. What do we do from here? Let me give you three big questions to help you anticipate. Three big questions. You'll wanna go over these with your team members. Number one, you wanna ask yourself this. What is the true current state of your organization? Your leadership. You wanna ask yourself why. Why are you successful? Why are you flat? Why are you struggling? Discern, be honest. Number two. If you were starting now, I love this question. What are you currently doing that you would not do? Now, you ready for the follow-up? Why are you still doing it? (laughs) Ask yourself, tell the truth. Have the courage to disrupt what you're doing to do something great. Number three, if you were starting over today, what would you attempt now? When are you going to attempt it? Leaders, that's what you are. You have influence and you are leaders. Don't complain and whine about what is, create what is supposed to be. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure, am I ready, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Listen to me, if you wait until you're 100% sure before you try something new, you will always be too late. I need you, if you will, at every single location all over the world, would you mind standing to your feet? All locations, would you mind simply standing to your feet? I wanna remind you, if this is helpful to you, do not come back alone next year. Bring your team, bring your team. Let us get better together. Right now, at this very moment, I'm speaking to leaders in Dallas, Texas. I'm speaking to leaders in Wichita, Kansas. I'm speaking to those of you in Toledo, Ohio. I'm speaking to those of you in the UK, in India, and Vietnam. Things are changing. Good leaders, react. Great leaders, anticipate. Read it. Sense it. Feel it. Develop. Discern. And disrupt. Don't be afraid of what's coming in the future. Your leaders create what needs to be. So how about you? In our world, there is so much at stake. Where did we start? Where we started yesterday, we end today. Like never before, our world needs strong, consistent, bold, courageous, integrity-infused leaders. This is your calling. This is your charge. This is your time. As leaders, what will we do? We will lead with profound humility and furious resolve. We will boldly cast vision for a brighter future. As leaders, we will have a heart to care, a passion to inspire, and we will have a willingness to power, and we will have the courage to be honest, truthful, and vulnerable as leaders. As leaders, we will strive for excellence, giving our best and demanding our best. We will ask for the wisdom to make the difficult calls. We will apologize when we get it wrong. We will confront injustices and we will right wrongs. We will speak for those who have no voice and we will have the courage to stand up when others back down like never before. Our world needs you, hear me, feel it, believe it. Your life is too valuable. Your calling too great, your God too good to waste your life on things that do not last. You are a leader. Go do what leaders do with God's help and by God's power. Leaders change the world. Well, I'm hoping you recognize that as a leader, you do have influence and you can use your influence for the good of others and change the world. I want to encourage you again to go to lifeshare slash leadership podcast and request the leader guide. In it, we'll give you a detailed summary of this talk along with application questions and assignments that you can go over with your team. Now, a bit about the Global Leadership Summit. This event is broadcast to hundreds of sites, translated into over 60 languages. It'll be broadcast digitally and to physical locations in the U.S. on August the 6th and the 7th. If you'd like information, you can go to register.globalleadership.org. We've even got a discount code for podcast listeners. You can type in CGLP, it stands for Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast, CGLP, and we'll get you a discount to attend either digitally or you can go to a host site. This year, some of the speakers, we've got Marcus Buckingham, Mike Todd, Sadie Robertson Huff of Duck Dynasty, Kaka, one of the world's greatest soccer players of all time, I love Kaka. Nona Jones, the head of the global faith-based initiatives for Facebook, and many, many more. Just go to register.globalleadership.org. CGLP will get you a discount. Now, we're gonna drop a new teaching on the first Thursday of next month. Thank you for sharing, thank you for inviting, and thank you for being a great leader. You can make a difference in this world. Don't feel so much pressure, we always do as leaders, but show up, be you, bring your own game because people would rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right.